You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. men and women who are on the move, those who are looking for opportunities to serve Him. Some of us, and some of you have told me, I want to serve the Lord, I want to serve the Lord, but you sit on your hands and you wait for the Lord to use you mightily. Peter was on the move. Peter was stepping out in faith and doing the things that he felt the Lord was calling him to do. Peter was moving throughout the villages, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. He wasn't constantly sitting around waiting, okay, Lord, I know you want to use me, now use me mightily. Being opportunistic may be viewed as a good or a bad thing, depending on the circumstances. In today's teaching, Pastor Dave is encouraging you to be one who takes action, who takes those opportunities, and who uses them for God's glory. Don't just sit around waiting for things to happen. Take that first step. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 9 as he begins his message, A Great Miracle to a Greater Miracle. Now it came to pass, as Peter went through all parts of the country, that he also came down to the saints who dwelt in Lydda. There he found a certain man named Aeneas, who had been bedridden eight years and was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus the Christ heals you. Arise and make your bed. Then he arose immediately. So all who dwelt in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. At Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. And since Lita was near Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. Then Peter arose and went to them. When he had come, they brought him to an upper room, and all the widows stood by him weeping and showing the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all out and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. Then he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and the widows, they present, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed on the Lord. And so it was that he stayed many days in Joppa with Simon a tanner. I have a little story to start out with you this morning. It's a familiar story, and you've probably heard it before, but I want to repeat it anyhow. Our story begins with a man named Edward Kimball, who was a shoe salesman who also happened to be a Sunday school teacher. He had a passion for sharing the gospel. One day, Edward was determined that he would share the gospel to a newly hired salesperson named Dwight. So he began to pray and ask the Lord to provide him with an opportunity to share the gospel message. When the time came, and although Edward was really nervous, he finally got up enough courage and told Dwight about Jesus' life, Jesus' death, and Jesus' resurrection. And after a long time of talking and speaking, Dwight finally gave his life to Jesus Christ. 
I'm sure by now you probably thought that the young salesman by the name of Dwight is nobody less than D.L. Moody, Dwight Moody. But that's not the end of our story. Dwight Moody goes on to be one of the greatest evangelists in church history, if you love that church history, and I do. One day Moody was preaching in England, and a pastor came and sat down in front of him by the name of Frederick Meyer, and he was listening. He was deeply moved by the message that he heard, and he was so stirred and so convicted in his heart that he went on to establish a nationwide movement of preaching to the lost souls. His name, his full name, you might have heard him, F. B. Meyer, another wonderful, great evangelist of the Lord Jesus Christ, both in London and in the United States. One day, Meyer was preaching, and a young man by the name of Wilbur Chapman was in the audience, and he gave his heart to Jesus. Chapman felt called to be an evangelist, and he felt that he had to go proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ in any place where he possibly could be. But he couldn't keep up the workload. The workload was so great, so much, that he couldn't keep up speaking, and he needed help. So Chapman looked around for somebody to hire. He hired a born-again baseball player who asked if he could do some preaching now and then. The ball player's name? Billy Sunday. I just found out a while back, well, not a, a few years back, when my mother was still living, that my grandfather was saved at a Billy Sunday crusade. Pretty cool. One day, Billy Sunday was preaching in North Carolina and doing a great movement of the Lord. And many, many, many people came to the Lord that day. People were so up, stirred up in the faith that they wanted more. They wanted more of what Billy Sunday had to say. They wanted more of Jesus. But Billy had to move on. He couldn't stay and preach any longer, and they were very, very disappointed. So Billy began looking around for someone who might be able to take his place, and he found this unknown preacher by the name of Mordecai Ham. Mordecai Ham was not a very well-known preacher. In fact, he was kind of looked down upon by the preaching establishment because he had no fire in the pulpit. He had no fire. He spoke no brimstone, but he taught God's word anyhow. Billy said, would you take this over? And he said, yeah, I'll take it over. So he took it over. He answered the call, and he started setting up tents in Charlotte and North Carolina, and he started preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. The next to the last day of the revival, the very next to the last day after, after Mordecai was finished preaching this, this rousing sermon, he asked if anybody wanted to accept Jesus Christ into their hearts. He said, come forward and be saved. Be coming to the kingdom of God. Way in the back, real tall, very skinny, lanky young man comes lumbering forward. And he stands there and he accepts Jesus Christ. You may know him as Billy Frank. His real name is Billy Graham. So the point of the story, one gospel talked by one disciple, touching one heart, started a chain of events that continues to this day. This chain of events continues to this day. These people believed in Jesus Christ's message that said, go forth and preach the gospel in all nations. They believed in the message of Jesus Christ. Their hearts were so touched by what God had done in their lives that they wanted to share the message with everybody who would listen, everybody who, would, who would, they could talk to. And all these men that I told you about, they all had certain attributes. They all had a commonality, if you will. First of all, they were on the move. They were on the move. They didn't stay sedentary. They moved. And everywhere they went, they found opportunities to serve the Lord. Everywhere they went, God used them mightily. Secondly, they made themselves available to God. 
They were available when God called. They weren't too busy to listen to God through the Holy Spirit, but they moved at the calling of the Spirit, and they moved mightily throughout the land. Thirdly, they were prayerful. They were ever in prayer, constantly being in prayer, constant communication to the Lord through prayer, through the power of prayer. And finally, because they were on the move, because they were available, and because they were prayerful, the Lord used them mightily, and he caused much fruit to come from their lives. And hundreds of thousands of people have been brought into the kingdom of God by their preaching, and it still is being accomplished today. And our story just started with one disciple named Edward Kimball who decided that he would speak the truth into a young man's heart. It always begins with one, but isn't that like Jesus Christ? What did Jesus say about the one? Remember the story of Luke when he says, What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine persons, just persons who need no repentance. You can find that in Luke 15, verses 4 and 7. The fact is that the shepherd goes after the one sheep is proof that Jesus views each of us clearly as important to him, and he actively seeks out those that are lost and if we make wrong turns in our lives. Also, you can see in this scripture the joy over leading a person into the arms of Christ, the joy of leading a person into a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's incredible. And if you've never experienced that, and if you've never had that experience in your life, it's the most enjoyable experience you might ever have. Others celebrate with you. Others rejoice in the Lord because someone is brought into the kingdom. In fact, Scripture says angels rejoice. Angels rejoice with you. In our text as we read this morning, we see Peter had these same characteristics as the men that I talked about. He had these same characteristics because he was on the move, because he was available, and because he was prayerful, he was used mightily of God. And because he was used mightily of God, he became fruitful, much fruit. As we begin today's study, remember that Saul of Tarsus had visited Jerusalem and spoke to Peter. He spent 15 days with Peter, and then he spoke boldly in the name of Jesus in the temple. And he was threatened by the Hellenists, remember? And they wanted to kill him. So he departed, and he went home to Tarsus, where he would stay for about 10 more years. He basically was out of the picture now for 10 years. But the exciting news of Saul's conversion re-energized the church. It, it, it made a powerful message and a powerful testimony. That's the power of a testimony. I once was this, but now I'm born again by God. The power of someone's testimony can be huge. It can be mighty. This is what I once was, but now because of the love of Jesus Christ, because of him, I'm this. I'm not this any longer. And that's a powerful testimony when people see that alive in your life. When they see a changed person, when they see that change so so vehemently in your life, and it's like incredible, and they go, whoa, what happened to you? Can you imagine what the church felt like? Their number one enemy had given his life to Christ. Their number one enemy, the one who hated them more than anything, is now one of them, now preaching Christ alongside of them. Can you imagine this wonderful time? You talk about rejoicing. Wow. Evangelism soared. Evangelism just went through the roof because we left off in Acts 9.31. Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. They were multiplied as the word of God 
moves forth as the Word of God continues to touch hearts, to touch souls, and change lives. So now, with Saul out of the picture, Dr. Luke's narrative shifts back to Peter's ministry for a while. While Saul was being hunted and while Saul was being converted, Peter's ministry was ongoing. He never stopped his ministry. Although we know that he visited with Saul in Jerusalem the last time it was... Uh, the last time Peter was mentioned was during the Samaritan revival. He and John had been called to Samaria, and they came down, and they prayed for the believers there, and the Holy Spirit fell upon them. Remember that? And we read about this. The last time Peter was mentioned in the book of Acts was Acts 8.25. It says, we see Peter and John returning to Jerusalem, but while they were moving along the way, they preached the gospel. Acts 8.25, so when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. Peter's ministry didn't stop. Peter's ministry continued, and now Luke wants to pay more attention to Peter's ministry now that Paul is out of the way for a while. So the first thing we see here, I said that Peter, is, uh, Peter exemplified some of the characteristics of these men who we saw in this, in this story this morning. And the first thing I see is Peter was on the move. Peter was on the move. And you look in Acts 9.32, now it came to pass, as Peter went through all parts of the country, that he also came down to the saints who dwelt in Lida. Here we see a man in motion. Peter was on the move. He went through all parts of the country. Peter was ever looking for opportunities to serve the Lord and share the gospel message. Just like today, the Lord is looking to use men and women who are on the move. Those who are looking for opportunities to serve him. Some of us, and some of you have told me, I want to serve the Lord. I want to serve the Lord. But you sit on your hands and you wait for the Lord to use you mightily. Peter was on the move. Peter was stepping out in faith and doing the things that he felt the Lord was calling him to do. Peter was moving throughout the villages, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. He wasn't constantly sitting around waiting, okay, Lord, I know you want to use me. Now use me mightily. Remember our discussion about steering a ship? It's anchored and not going anywhere. You can't steer it very much, but when it's moving, it steers pretty easy. A car sitting in a driveway trying to steer it, but when it's moving, it steers kind of easy. God wants to move you and use you while you're moving. He wants to use you while you're going about. So what does that look like? What has God asked you to do? Have you walked in faith lately? Have you stepped out and done something in faith thinking God wants to use you? Be in touch with him. Be, be praying about things. Be, be asking, what, what do you want me to do, Lord? And then as he shows you, step out. Step out in faith. The Lord will use you and he'll bring up situations where you can step out in faith. One reason the Lord used Peter mightily, because he was on the move. Peter was moving through the towns preaching the gospel. You have Christ in you. Christ goes everywhere you go. So it's easy to take Christ with you and preach Christ. You're on the move in the grocery store, in the Wawa. I've said this before. Everywhere you're going, Christ is with you. Be on the move. Be prayerful. Lord, put somebody in my path today. I want to, show the, I want to share the gospel message. I want to share the gospel message of Jesus Christ today, which is one person, Lord. I dare you. Put one person in front of my path, and then, boy, be ready. Be ready. Be at the Wawa or be someplace like that and bump into somebody. My wife's got this great ministry. It's called grocery shopping. Holy mackerel. She goes grocery shopping, and she spends half a day. I'll tell you right now. She's out there forever. She's out there forever. And then, but then she comes home. 
oh, I ran into this little old lady who needed help here, and I ran into this person and that person. All these people just come. She's like a magnet. People just come up to her, and she helps them out, and she talks to them, and she's nice to them. It's ministry, folks. That's what ministry is all about, being nice to those who need help, helping out the needy people. It becomes a ministry. Peter was on the move. And God was going to use him mightily because he was on the move. He wasn't sedentary. Oh, Lord, use me, use me, use me. They never go out the door. Never walk out the front door. And God, you're going to use me. Peter comes to Lida, which is a town of the Gentiles, basically. It's more Gentiles in there than there are Jews. It's about 25 miles from Jerusalem. And he's led to this man who's paralyzed. He had been paralyzed for eight years. Verse 33, there was a certain man named Aeneas who had been bedridden eight years and was paralyzed. Peter comes into town, and the Lord leads him to this man who is bedridden. When searching for ways to serve the Lord on the move, he will always bring you to those in need. That's exactly what I just said. You want to serve the Lord? Get out and look for where there's a need. One of the great things in Pastor, one of Pastor Chuck's book about planning a Calvary Chapel, about serving the Lord, that basically said, stop praying about it, go out and find a place that's in need and preach the gospel of Christ. Be on the move. He comes into this town, and he moves in there, and this man can't even get out of bed. In some of your translations, it might say that he had palsy. Some of the translations say that he had palsy. But the Scripture tells us absolutely nothing about Aeneas. We don't know if he was a Jew or if he was a Gentile. He might have been a believer because in verse 32, it said that Peter came down to the saints of Leda. So we get an idea that he might be a believer. It really doesn't say. But although one thing can be sure, and we can assume This man had no prospect of getting well. He had absolutely no prospect of getting well. He was just lying there. What a miserable life. I'm sure he thought that he was a burden, not only to himself, but to the others around him who had to serve him. I'm sure there was depression. I'm sure there was discouragement. I'm sure he was thinking, what a lousy call that he had gotten. And what does Peter do? Peter comes in and performs a miracle. Peter comes in and does something that just, talk about socks being blown off if they wore socks back at that time. I mean, Talk about doing something that is so unusual. Peter walks in there. And look what he says to the man in Acts 9.34. Peter said to the man, Aeneas, Jesus the Christ heals you. Arise and make your bed. Then he rose immediately. Peter has a one-on-one encounter with Aeneas. There's that one-on-one encounter with Aeneas, just like Christ. Christ loved the one-on-one encounters. Now, it's great to preach to thousands. It's great to preach to hundreds. It's great to share God's word, but it's so important to share it one-on-one. So important to share it when you're sharing God's word from your heart to a person who God has put before you. Hmm. Peter wasn't worried about Ananias' bed, whether it was unmade or not. He was worried about his soul. What was the condition of his soul? This man was in need of a soul transplant, a heart transplant. He needed Jesus Christ. He needed salvation. (laughs) Chuck Swindoll, he wrote this about this very verse. He said, this was really powerful. Some of us for years have been saying, arise and make your bed to our teenagers without any results. He said, arise, make your bed. But Peter knew what this man needed. He knew what the main problem was here. It wasn't the man's illness. It wasn't the fact that he was sick. It was the fact that he needed salvation. He needed salvation. He looks at the man and says, Jesus the Christ heals you. 
Peter declares that it's not he who heals, but Jesus the Christ who is the healer. See, Peter knows the power of Christ. He's seen it firsthand. He knows exactly what it can accomplish. He has seen it not only power for work when Christ was on earth, but he has witnessed the same power now dwelling inside in him as he witnessed that power. Remember he went to the gate beautiful and lifted that man up? Silver and gold I don't have, but what I have in the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk and lifted that man up. Peter's almost doing the same thing here now. And this was the guy, remember, who had his life changed forever by Jesus Christ. This was the guy that denied him three times, the coward. The coward that denied him. Remember when he said to the Lord before the, uh, the, the crucifixion, though everyone else will leave you, Lord, I'll never leave you. I'm going to be right there. And then he denies him three times. Denies him three times. But the Lord restores him. The Lord restores him, and he knows what restoration can mean to somebody. He knows how to be restored. When you're being restored in the Lord, he knows that wonderful feeling. Talk about rejoicing. He knows what it feels like. And he also knows that the only power that he has comes through Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. He knows that it's not his power. He's not going to run out and set up Peter's healing ministry and set up a tent and call people in to be healed. He's not going to do that because he knows it's only Christ that gives healing. It's not man's power. It's Christ's power. What a privilege to be involved in such a miraculous event. What a privilege that God has called him to. Peter knew this, and he gave God all glory. He gave God all glory for the actions that he did. Peter knew it wasn't anything that he could do. It was the Lord. What's the result? Well, in 935, you see fruit. So all all who dwelt in Leda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. They see this man walking around. Wait a minute, weren't you the guy that couldn't get out of bed? Weren't you the guy that was bedridden for so long, eight years, and now you're walking? What happened? Jesus the Christ healed me. Wow. Talk about drow drawing people in. They wanted to be healed also. But it's interesting. Remember in John 2, Jesus didn't commit himself to those who followed because they only followed him for the miracles? Jesus wants us on a deeper level. Jesus wants us on a deeper level. He's looking for a commitment based on faith, not by sight. The danger in building our faith upon what our eyes see is that there is danger there because we're trusting in something that we're seeing. He says, trust in the eternal, not the temporary. Trust in those things that you don't see instead of the things that we see. Faith is not seeing with our eyes. It's trusting with the eyes of our heart. It's being focused upon Jesus Christ and the promises that he has made to us. Faith really isn't reason. It's trusting in Jesus and taking him for his word. When Jesus said to Thomas, remember, Jesus had this little confrontation with Thomas. He said, because you have seen me, you believe. Blessed are those who have not seen yet believe, he says in John 20, 29. Thomas' faith was based on the fact that he saw Jesus as Savior, and Jesus wants us to believe simply because He says he's the Savior. We need to believe. It's quite refreshing to read about Peter's attitude in the healing of Aeneas. This was a wonderful miracle and occurred in a Gentile setting. This positive ministry experience would soften Peter's natural prejudice towards the Gentiles. Remember, Peter was a Jew. There was a natural built-in prejudice towards the Gentiles. And Peter, this would soften his heart. You know, positive experiences can change the way our attitudes are positive experience that happened in our lives changes the way we think about things. And the Lord wants to take out these prejudices from our lives. When you're serving the Lord, there is no room for prejudice. You are 
You've been listening to Pastor Dave on Assure Hope. Pastor Dave is working his way through the book of Acts. Did you know that the first martyr for Jesus was a great man of faith? His name was Stephen, and he was bold and courageous to proclaim the name of Jesus to others. He wasn't afraid to tell the truth, even when it cost him his life. What courage in the midst of opposition. Do you think you could do the same in this day and age? It's hard to stand up for Jesus when everyone around you is telling you you're intolerant, unloving, and just looking to put people down if you tell them they're doing something wrong. But what makes things right or wrong is firmly rooted in Scripture. It's God's Word that should direct morality, and Stephen was unafraid to go there. If you like this message and would like to catch up on any message you may have missed, head over to AsureHopeRadio.com. There you'll find many messages from the Book of Acts, as well as other series. If you find yourself in the Cape May, New Jersey area, stop in and see us. All the information you need is on our website, location, directions, and service times. And if you prefer to call, you can do that too. Our number is 609-884-5821. Once more, that's 609-884-5821. We'd be happy to answer any questions over the phone. Well, that's all we have time for today, but we've loved spending this time with you. We look forward to the next edition of A Sure Hope. Show.